Kaysan, and hello. Welcome to Nordic Insights, where I introduce you to high-achieving Nordics and Nordic-inspired people with niche expertise in business, lifestyle, education, innovation, tech, travel, and more. I'm your host, Satu Raunola, a Finn passionate about all things Nordic, as well as yoga, running, sustainability, well-being, and great coffee. Listen in for some tips on Nordic approaches to a happier and more holistic business and personal life. Join me to explore Nordic common sense and trends in this complex world. This podcast is delivered to you every Wednesday. This week, my podcast is a little bit different. I am reflecting on my interviews to this point. What have been some of the inspirational business and leadership survival strategies used by my Nordic and Nordic-inspired business and corporate leader guests during COVID-19? Listen in and get insights how four Nordic and Nordic-inspired business leaders tackle their challenges. Firstly, we hear from Scandinavian travel specialist Tietze Stelma, who is the CEO of 50 Degrees North. He has built up 50 Degrees North to be one of the most successful global travel operators specializing in the Nordic region with over 40 staff. When COVID-19 started, he went from 2 million monthly turnover to zero in a month. Tietze talks about the challenges he had to make and how he is pivoting his business during the time of turmoil. Firstly, let's hear from Tietze. Life today is very different, isn't it? Um, we are in this COVID uh, virus world and yeah, your world and everybody else's world have dramatically changed. So what's happening with 50 degrees north at the moment? Well, yes, it's, um, I've spoken a lot about how we've grown and how we've been successful. And, uh, and this um, coronavirus situation has certainly hit us very hard. It's gone from uh, Uh, prospects in uh, mid-February of, of uh, 30-40% growth through 2020. Very, very good prospects for the year, but suddenly that has come to a complete stop. And we are now in a situation where we um, we have had to stand down quite a lot of our staff. We have uh, ended up with a core group of, of uh, people that uh, remain in the company and, and deal with uh, cancellation after cancellation after cancellation and there is no income in the foreseeable future it's very difficult to plan we don't know when travel is going to resume from australia to scandinavia we think that maybe european travel is going to resume first so that we get brits and germans uh, coming to scandinavia but it's extremely hard to to plan and it's extremely difficult time for us we're going from from having turning over two million dollars every month to nothing. So uh, it's a very sad time. I've, I've cried a lot during these last months. Uh, it's tough. We're going to survive. And um, like true Vikings, we will survive and we will come out of it a lot stronger. We are actually investing in, in IT and, and technology to, to make our company much more lean much more agile and much more efficient coming out of this. So we are actually spending while we are down, which is money that is saved, that we're putting back into the business. But we need to come out of this uh, a lot stronger. And I think the 
travel industry will come out of this very, very different. I'm not exactly sure how, but uh, there are some things that look that uh, are more evident that, that, that look like they, they're going to change. I think that the client wants to be closer to to the to the end product. I think they will not accept too many middlemen anymore in the future. I think that uh, the industry itself needs to charge for the the time they spend putting itineraries together and, and doing work for for uh, holidaymakers and travelers. The travel industry has notoriously been very poor at charging for their time and their work and their professionalism. That has to change. So, uh, but it's a difficult time. We're working through it. Uh, we just need some certainty. That's all we're looking for. And those who are actually starting to innovate now and, and looking towards opportunities in this in this crisis, those are the ones who are going to come out faster. If you look at any big innovations over the last 10, 15 years, they've always come in times of crisis, uh, or many of them anyway. What I am concerned about is how many are not going to survive and uh, what product are we going to be able to deliver. Uh, is that little beautiful guest house we used to work with uh, run by uh, this local couple, is that going to still be there 12, 12 months from now? I'm not sure. Maybe not. And and that's the big question and that's what's really sad about it. So a lot of mum and dad or uh, uh, small businesses that will not be able to, to get through this uh, and will and will disappear. We also hear from Lippi Helinski, the founder of Papa Swain. Lippi's Nordic lifestyle business includes retail shop, online business, and two Airbnbs in Newcastle. After COVID-19 hit, she thought she would lose her business. However, inspired by Armi Ratia, the founder of Finnish Marimekko, she has been able to turn it all around with her passion and her energy. You know what, our experience during this pandemic time has been a really amazing time. We have, you know, we've actually um, grown in the period that we've been, had our physical store closed. We've had amazing support and response from not just our local community, but from the entire, you know, the much wider Australian online community. And I feel really really proud of my business to be able to not just survive this time but actually to actually be able to grow in this time it's been it's been amazing it must have been quite scary though in, in when you thought that you have to close close the doors uh, when the covid 19 started absolutely so we actually closed our store i think it was on the 17th of march we closed a bit earlier than some because i felt like a lot of our customers are in that high risk category 70 plus and I guess we didn't want them to feel like they needed to come out to our store or, or anything else like that so uh, to be honest with you I didn't think I'd ever reopen the store again I thought there is no way that a small business like mine can survive being closed a girlfriend that's got a, a cafe here in Newcastle which she turned into a corner store I rang her and I said I've got paper bag take my bags she's like no you don't you know I said Beck I'm never going to need them. What am I going to use them for? You know, I said to my friend Helena, come down, take whatever you want. You know, I honestly thought it would be a fire sale. That that would be it. Which I thought, well, you know, it didn't feel, I didn't feel sad for me as such. I thought, I know that I'll think of something else to do. 
But I felt really sad that Papa Sven would finish in that way. So it's been really nice to reopen this week and have our customers come back into the store and chat with everyone again. And and I feel more positive about my business now than I I have in the whole time. And uh, how did you get your business going during these months when, when the shop was closed? Well, look, social media was a huge thing. I worked... Well, when I say I worked really hard on social media, a few things kind of happened at once, which was really fortunate to us. I didn't think so at the time. We had a lot of orders just about to arrive that were fantastic products, which arrived after our doors closed. So I thought, how do I... Normally, obviously, if I'm in the shop, I'm, I'm busy every day, so I don't get to put everything on social media and show the wider world what we actually have. Was because I was at home, all the deliveries are coming to my home. So I just thought I was going to video me unpacking all this stuff all over my house, you know, and just just keep showing people what's coming. And I have to say, I mean, it's incredibly exhausting being able to keep up with, I think, the demands of social media and and putting things on there. But it's definitely it definitely worked really well for us. We also updated our website at that time. So my friend Kelly, who I mentioned earlier, who's been enormously helpful for me she works with me on the website and we just we just made it a lot more user-friendly and and we had a lot of stock arriving so it was it was great and then I actually because I had a little bit of time on my hands at the start I started sewing again myself so every time I sewed something out of our fabric obviously I'd show that and you know it's like when Ami Rashia started Marimekko she came out with these big, beautiful, bold designs, what, in 1950, and she said people loved them, but none of it sold because they didn't know what to do with it. So that's when she teamed up with a seamstress and a designer and did one range out of these fabrics, and she held the fashion parade in Helsinki and sold out of the whole collection, and that's actually where Marimeko started. And it was kind of felt a bit like that, you know, when I sewed up these different things that I made with the fabrics that we had, our the sewing the fabric section of our online store has never been busier. We've sold so much fabric and it's it's been so nice and connecting with people that have a love for sewing as well and they send me back the photos of what they've made and I don't know what we would have done you know, before a time of social media to be able to share this sort of I guess excitement so readily with people as things arrive. And is it many times when you're really um, facing challenging times, uh, you really need to dig deep and you start innovating and you pivot and you create new things? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's been really enjoyable watching other friends in Newcastle that have small businesses that are doing, you know, in different, very different areas to me, you know, all coming up with these new creative ways of, running your business, connecting with your community and just changing the way you do things. I, like for me as a business, it's it's been great to actually rethink the way that I, I do things and, and also offering a greater level of service to people. You know, I love when I get an order, I always handwrite a note to send out with the online order because... I miss not having that connection with my customer, you know. When I'm in the store, I'm chatting with that person and I kind of get an idea of where it's going and what's happening and you miss that in an online environment. So I love to be able to do that. It's enormously time-consuming. <laughs> I'm sure it takes me 
five times as long to send out online orders than a lot of other businesses, but I'm, I'm never going to stop that. Um, we've offered uh, free shipping to our local community and I, that's been really nice too. You know, people place an order in the morning and I could drop it at their front door that afternoon. So I'm going to continue doing that too because people can't get out of their house all the time or they can't, you know, they might need something for their girlfriend's birthday the next day or whatever it might be and, and we, can, we can help with that. So it's nice. Then we hear from Swedish-born Anders Lindström the Director of Communications for North America for Norwegian Air. Anders found himself living in New York in the middle of COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter demonstrations, working for an airline industry that has just been paralyzed. In March 2020, he initiated the non-profit Project Wingman USA, mobilizing hundreds of airline crew to provide care for COVID-19 hospital healthcare workers in two New York City hospitals. Let's talk about your project Wingman, which is an amazing project that you started a few months ago. So can you tell us a bit, how did you actually get it started? Absolutely. So um, working for an airline, Norwegian Air, and I've been in airlines for the past 10 years, this industry has obviously been hit in unprecedented ways in the last couple of months with COVID. And a lot of our colleagues have been furloughed, a lot of uh, planes, airlines have been grounded. So it was a female captain, uh, Emma Henderson, with EasyJet in the UK, who came up with the idea of Project Wingman. And what it does is mobilizes furloughed airline crew uh, and help them support frontline healthcare professionals during the time when there's in such need and and support them by creating these somewhat pop-up lounges in the hospitals and so you i mean obviously healthcare professionals are extremely affected during covid as well but they're overworked they hardly got a break um they worked so hard they didn't get to speak to anyone besides uh, patients or their colleagues and when they would go home And they didn't really get to see their families because they kind of had um, had to self-quarantine. So it was a lot of emotional pressure on them. So the whole idea of then uh, Project Women and the lounges was to for, uh, for them to come somewhere and to relax and be taken care of, even if it's just for a few minutes. Um, and then you have airline crew. And as hopefully most people know, airline crew are some of the most um, nurturing people who just want to help no matter what. And especially now when they were furloughed and grounded and not able to fly, they sat at home and were bored. So when this opportunity came um, in the UK, for instance, they had uh, thousands of volunteers signing up wanting to help. And here in the US, uh, we had hundreds of volunteers coming from all the major airlines based in in New York City. So I heard from it, uh, from uh, my colleague um, counterpart in the UK about this project And I was doing some research to see if anyone was doing something similar here in the U.S. Sadly not. So I contacted Emma Henderson, and the founder, and asked if I could bring it to the U.S. So we launched about a month after they opened their very first lounge in the U.K. We opened our two lounges here in the U.S. And it's a very different healthcare system in the U.S. compared, well, compared to anywhere in the world, and especially to the Nordics, where we come from, but also to the U.K., So the the one thing that was very important to identify here was an, uh, a not-for-profit hospital. 
Um, so we did um, identify two hospitals, not-for-profit hospitals in Queens, New York City, which is one of the most affected areas. And this all happened in late April, early May. So it was the height of COVID here. Um, so we had them for almost two months. We closed the lounges down just the other week. And it felt great to close them down because there were record low uh, numbers of COVID patients because New York City has been doing really well with the quarantine, whereas numbers in the U.S. are high. Numbers here in New York City have, have really come down in the last few weeks. So the, there were very few COVID patients in the hospitals. They were able to return to their normal operations, and a lot of the previously furloughed crew was starting to go back in the air. So that's when we decided to, to close it for now and then and have it as a potential future volunteer organization in case of any other uh, future pandemic or any future emergency. That sounds absolutely fantastic project. And what a good news that, you. Um, you know, things are actually moving uh, towards more positive and the cases are down. So what did the project bring you and what did you learn from the project? Oh, I, I learned a lot because while I've been working a lot with the corporate social responsibility in, in the three airlines I worked for in the past 10 years, it's very different from launching overnight a, a nonprofit and being in charge of fundraising and, and volunteer, uh, volunteer coordinating. I learned a lot, and, but I was also very fortunate having a lot of good people helping me out. But it's, it, what, what was most rewarding was to see how many people want to come together in a crisis like this and just want to help. They are so selfless um, and because it takes a lot still because these lounges were in hospitals, in COVID hospitals. And if you watch the news, and especially American news, because it's always a bit over the top no matter what, it's the worst place in the world you, you can go to, of course. But these were the volunteers that were fearless. They came in obviously wearing face masks. They were um, hand sanitizers everywhere, everything following the rules and regulations. But still, it, it takes a, a certain kind of people who run towards an opportunity like that. And learn otherwise, I mean, just the budgeting was a big thing for me because suddenly I was in, in charge of um, all this money that was coming in through various GoFundMe campaigns and also donations coming in. And, and that's an aspect I have never really been responsible uh, for before. And so what actually happened in the laundries? So we had, um, usually we had three volunteers in each lounge, and we tried to have volunteers from uh, three different airlines at all times. So they would kind of network themselves and, and get to know other people from other airlines as well. And then we had donations from all these different com uh, companies who, wanted, who provided us everything from tea and coffee to protein bars, uh, chocolate mousses, we had fruit cups, we had lots of cookies because everyone loves cookies. And in total, we had more than 50,000 items donated uh, to these two lounges, which is just a staggering amount of, of donations. That sounds absolutely amazing. And also have to acknowledge the people who you got involved that because it, of course, involves such a big risk. So congratulations, doing an amazing job. Thank you, thank you. And what was so great that not a single volunteer left the project. Who They, they felt very safe and, and always came back. So that was great. That's great. And you also get amazing press coverage, of course, for, for this project. We did. I mean, my background is in PR. So that was, that was uh, one thing I had to make sure uh, we could do. Um, so, yeah, we, we got um, in, in lots of the major publications here in New York, 
but also Forbes. Uh, I mean, there was a um, travel and leisure. Most of the major publications covered it, so that was great. And lastly, we talked to Tommy Newstrom, who is the co-founder of Pupsi, an online startup platform for all things that matter for dog owners. Tommy talks about how his Nordic characteristics have helped him to get through the startup challenges, including COVID-19. And do you think that being a Finn and being a Nordic, that there are some specific characteristics that pushes you forward? I, I think so. Uh, and, you know, Finland is well known for, for the, the startup scenes and a lot of uh, businesses, you know, have started from basically from the garage and has become massive. Like Angry Birds is a great example. which started with two guys and I think their uncle gave them 20,000 euros in the beginning and that's all the money they had and see where Angry Birds is now. So um, I, I think there is this spirit of trying to build something and find the problems and then solve the problems and keeping it very simple. Uh, I, I think that's a typical uh, character, particularly people from Finland, but I think across Scandinavia that you want to be very straightforward in your approach. You don't want to try to look into every possible angle of every possible thing that might go wrong or whatever, but you focus on finding a solution for your biggest problem. And and I think that that is a very uh, valuable asset to have when you go into a startup world because you can find problems everywhere, but you have to be very good at prioritizing on where to focus and, and, and stick to your plans and, and, and so on. And I think there is that is one big element. Uh, the second big element, which there's even a word which I think only exists in Finnish, which is sisu, which I suppose means stamina or whatever the, the best way of describing that is, is, is basically being super resilient. Uh, whatever happens, whatever comes your way, you'll walk through it. You, you'll find a way to survive. And I think that is another massive element that you need in the startup world. You can't just give in, you know, first time. It seems that it's too big to, to handle because nothing really is. You, you can always find your way around it. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate if you would leave a quick rating and review. You can also find Nordic Insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Voi hyvin, hade sopra, take care.